Hello and welcome back to the Gritty Men Podcast. I'm John Riggs, your host, and as always, we're here to equip, encourage, and inspire God's men to live God's way for God's glory in these last days. Hey guys, it's, um, it's great uh, to spend a little time with you today, and I want to continue on with our little series here that we're doing on marriage. And over the last few weeks, we have been looking together what God teaches about um, his design for marriage. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, he called marriage a profound mystery. And we've been learning together why mystery or why marriage is considered to be a mystery by the Apostle Paul. And it's not because marriage is impossible for us to figure out. That's not the mystery aspect. Um, what we've been learning is Paul teaches us that our marriages are a reflection of a spiritual reality and truth for all of us who are in Christ Jesus. And our marriages are to reflect that spiritual truth in a real way in this world by the way we love our wives and by the way that our wives submit to us as unto the Lord. And last week we spent some time together looking at primarily what um, the Bible teaches about headship and the fact that we learned that God is the head of Christ and Christ is the head of man and man is the head of his wife and that there is an order in God's design. And when we keep things in order, things will go so much better for us, especially in relation to marriage. And so it's not that we are not equal before God as man and woman, we are. Just like Jesus Christ, the Son, eternal Son of God, and God the Father are perfectly, totally, completely God, um, they operate in complete, total unity, in uh, perfection, um, and in essence, they are God. But in function within the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit operate um, with a function within the Godhead. Same thing within marriage. Husbands and wives before God, male and female, are completely, totally equal before God. But in the, in the function of how they operate within the family, we know that Bible teaches that God has ordained a specific order. And there's a reason for that. So um, most times in marriage, when we see major problems beginning to arise in a marriage relationship, we understand that we have usually an order problem. And that could be that the man is outside of the order of submission under the headship of Christ, or the wife is outside of the order of submission to her husband and ultimately to Christ. And it creates um, a lack of alignment. And anytime that that happens, we have relationship issues. And we learned that our marriage relationship with our spouse is not simply a vertical relationship because the way we interact and we involve ourselves in relationships with other people is in direct correlation to the vertical relationship that we have with God the Father through Christ the Son. And so um, we want to look just briefly as a little quick reminder of what God's purpose in alignment is in headship, and then we're going to look at what headship does. Um, and so just a few things to consider here as we remember what we kind of spoke about last week, just a refresher for you guys. Um, we know that Christ is the perfect example of what headship um, looks like, 
and what it looks like in servanthood under the headship of the Father. You can remember in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus now is in the garden. He's preparing to go to the cross. He knows what lies before him, that he would now take upon the sins of mankind, and he would undergo the due penalty and wrath of the sin of man in order that he could, re- could, could release them and to, to redeem them from their sin, and that he could now dis- distribute his righteousness um, unto us. And so he asked the Father, he says, My Father, if it's possible... This is his humanity. May this cup, the cup of what he was going to have to do on the cross, may it be taken from me. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus Christ said that I didn't come to do my will, but the will of the Father. And he is a perfect example for us of what submission to headship looks like. And so we as men can learn what it means to follow Christ as our head by following and looking at the example that Christ has set for us in his word. So when we are in alignment to Christ, our head, who is under God, which is the head over Christ, we receive the blessing from the Father to and through the Son. And the same thing applies in our marriage relationships. There is a blessing that flows to the husband, the wife, and the children when a husband and wife are living in alignment under Christ who lives under the headship of God the Father. There is blessing that flows through that. Um, And so we need to be reminded of that. It's very, very important that we consider that. So in, in like manner, guys, you will not receive or experience every spiritual blessing from heaven unless you are in alignment under the head of Christ, submitting to your head, Jesus Christ, that the blessing of the Father comes to us only through the Son, And if you're living in sin and rebellion to the head, which is Christ, you are not in a place to receive those blessings. And we know that to be a true reality, and we experience that in our lives when we live in sin. And we know that positionally that is secure because of the covenant that we've entered into. But relationship-wise, that is inhibited, and it creates a rift in our relationship with the Father. And the reality is, our alignment will have a great effect on our family, whether it's the husband or the wife. Um, It will affect our home, of which we are the head of, and our wife and our children. In Psalm 128, we read, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem, and may your life be that you see your children's children. Now, this is the prayer for marriages um, within Jewish weddings. And it's a reminder of the importance and the significance of of the role of us as men, the head of our homes and our wives and our families, that we live under the blessing of God. And we do that by being in alignment and walking in obedience to Christ. Um, We are to be the true example to our wives um, on true submission to headship. So our wives are learning from us as we learn and continue to to live in obedience to Christ, our wives are watching and learning as well. 
And so by our example, our wives will learn what it means to walk in headship as we demonstrate that in our own life in walking in the obedience under the headship of Christ. Now, let's move on from what we learned last week in regards to what headship is, and now let's look at what headship does. And we're going to learn about our role now in relation to our responsibility in this mystery that Paul calls profound. And the Apostle Paul here has laid out for us an incredible um, truth here that we need to grasp as men. And this is going to change your, your marriage It'll change the way you view your role as a husband and as a father. It's very, very important for us to, to grasp this. So for us as husbands, and I say this, a lot of times guys, you know, they're, they're really focused on what their wife is doing. You know, hey, I want to make sure my wife, is she in submission to me? Is she, is she giving me the honor and the respect and all those things? We're focused on that. And guys have a tendency to be, to be busy pointing out to their wife the areas in which she falls short in fulfilling her role as a wife according to God's um, command to her. But the reality is, guys, we need to be less focused on our wife and what she's doing in obedience to God and we need to be very focused and zeroed in on our responsibility before God in the role that he has placed us in as the head over our wife. And so here's where it begins. It all starts with headship. Every aspect of it does. And that means for Christian men, we are in alignment. And we know that we are to walk in submission to Christ in obedience to his word and that in doing so, we will receive those blessings of walking in obedience to the Word of Christ because the Word of God is true. And when you apply truth to your life, there is an outcome. And the outcome is a result of truth being lived out in your life by the decisions that you make. So it all starts here with us, guys. Every aspect of it does. It starts with our role in our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say this to you young men who are out there who are seeking um, and praying and asking God to bring that right woman into your life. What I would suggest that you do um, in conjunction with your prayers and seeking the will of God in your life for a young woman that you will commit and covenant with to spend the rest of your life with is, number one, that you would spend your time on becoming a man who knows how to live in obedience and under the submission of Christ. That is the very starting place for a blessed marriage. And it begins with you as a man. If you're in a relationship right now and you're struggling um, with your wife and you're having um, troubles in your marriage, and so you have maybe some power struggle going on there, you're, you guys aren't getting along well, you're, you're really frustrated in your marriage, then I want to encourage you to stop focusing on the response of your wife and the responsibility of your wife before God. Because if she's a Christian woman, we can rely on the Holy Spirit to do a work in her life. And not only that, she is watching you. You are the leader. And so you have to demonstrate this in spite of what she's doing or how she's responding to you. Your command before God is your responsibility. So you take care of your business. What I mean by that is quit worrying about the command that God gave your wife and start focusing on the command that God has given to you. And here is your responsibility. 
And here is what you are called by God to do, okay? This is very important. So let's look here at what headship does. And Christ is going to be the perfect example of what true headship is and how we are to follow that example in obedience to his word. In 1 Corinthians 11.3, we've already read this, but you guys could take this to heart. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So we have an order. The head of every man is Christ, the head of every wife is the husband, and the head of Christ is God. Many, but not all problems, guys, in our marriages can begin with us being out of alignment with our relationship and in obedience to the Word of God. When we get out of alignment, everything under us begins to kind of unravel. And so we are the most significant part of this relationship in our obedience and how we walk under the headship of Christ. We are responsible, first and foremost, to this. As the leader, this is the requirement that God expects of you as men. And so our wives, it's not easy for them to walk in submission this way. But that's still her command and her responsibility before God. And so you be a good example of this and extend grace to your wife, just like Christ extends to you. And you walk in obedience to the headship of Christ and you love your wife in this manner and watch what God will do in her life. <clears throat> in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, In your relationships with one another, have this same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. If, we're, if we can learn this, this is very, very important. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is sharing for us um, this incredible picture of Jesus Christ, who is God, um, setting aside his divine glory and coming and taking upon human flesh. And he did this in a servant way, a sacrificial way, and in a act of humility, Jesus Christ came to his own creation, taking upon the very flesh of creation and becoming a servant, if you will. These are three aspects that we need to keep in mind as men. Number one, humility. We must walk in humility. Number two, sacrifice. This will be a result of our obedience to the word of God in the way in which we love our wives. We must walk humbly, we must sacrifice, and we must become a servant. Now, I know, guys, this is in contrast to what the world teaches you about how you are to be treated in marriage, that it's all about you, it's all about your wants, it's all about your needs, it's all about me, myself, and I, it's all about, um, number one, Oh me, oh my, that's kind of what society teaches you about who you are as a man. Well, this is in complete opposition to Jesus Christ, who is our head, to his example. He walked in humility. We must be men who are humble. 
He came to sacrifice his own needs and desires and ultimately his own life. And number three, he came to be a servant, not to be served. And these are in all three total opposition to the way in which you are being taught by society how you are to act as a man within marriage. Listen, we as Christian men do not get our marching orders from the world because the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life are all from this world and ultimately from Satan. And so we, though, we get our marching orders and we have an example of how we are to live our lives by Christ, who is our perfect example of this. So these three things, guys, must encompass who you are as a man in relationship to how you lead, love your wife and family. Number one, humility. Number two, sacrifice. And number three, servanthood. That is how we are going to do this as husbands and men. Let me tell you this. You could fix most problems in marriage if couples would keep this in mind. If they would operate this way, Number one, if they would what? Walk in humility. Number two, if they would become servants of their spouse, that would be both wife and husband. And if they would give their lives sacrificially to one another, you would fix nearly every single problem in your marriage relationship. Because when you put the other person ahead of you and their needs ahead of your own and you love them, instead of loving yourself, those problems will be resolved almost instantaneously because you can't go wrong in doing that. In fact, there cannot be um, any major conflict of problem when you have both people operating this way. So these are important things that we apply to our marriage relationship. And Christ, he is our example. So here it is. Now he's going to lay out for us, Paul is here in, in Ephesians chapter 5, guys, and this is very, very important that we get this. He says, all right, guys, now here's your role. We, we've, we've had a few verses here of the responsibility before God that the women are to walk in obedience to, in, um, and they do it as unto the Lord. And remember, it's not easy for our wives to do this, no more than it easy, is easy for us to what? To beat back our flesh and our body and walk in obedience to the word of God. But we must do this in order that we are blessed in this way. And so we set this example for our wives. So here it is. Paul says, number one, as we begin to read this passage of Scripture, husbands, here's your command, guys. Here's your focus. And here is something that you can put your time and effort into in practicing this in reality. You can go home tonight or today, guys. These are practical truths that when you apply them, they have positive effects every single time. Here we go. Husbands, love your wives. Now, this love word here is not lust. It is love in the way in which we read about love in, 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 in Corinthians. And love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. You know, it is not self-seeking. It keeps no records of wrongs. This kind of love is agape love. It is the kind of love in which we are loved by God through Christ. It is... Um, a self-sacrificing kind of love. It is um, a love that is not based 
on the merit of another individual. In other words, God loves us. He loved us before we even knew Christ. And while we were sinners, Christ loved us. It was an act of God's will, not on an act, an act of our merit, if that makes any sense to you. So we love our wives not because she merits my love. In other words, she does X, Y, and Z, therefore I love her. No, this kind of love, true love, genuine love, agape love, is a love that loves in spite of the response of the other person in which it's directed at. So it's not merited on their their work or their attitude or their um, response. It's simply offered and given by an act of the will, by an act of the will. And this kind of love endures all things. That word endurance there, as Paul writes to these believers in Corinth, the word endurance is the same word grit. It is a gritty kind of love. In other words, it endures all things and love, this love, it never, ever fails. This is the kind of love in which God loves us with in Christ Jesus. And as Christ is our example of this love, we as men are to love our wives this way. How? Just as Christ loved the church. Here we go. Now we're learning about our role. And that's why Paul calls marriage a profound mystery. I want you to think of this, men, in regards to how you love your wife. You now are a representation physically of this incredible spiritual truth of how Christ has loved you. And you take this role under Christ as you now love your wife this way. We are to love our wives the same way that Christ loved the church. You say, well, how did Christ love the church? Well, we know the answer to this. And Paul continues, he gave himself up for her. Who is the bride of Christ? We are the bride of Christ. We're the, we're the redeemed of the Lord. We are those in whom he gave his life to redeem and to call for his own. Now, men, this will change the way you see your role in marriage. We are to take this role, the role of Christ, over his bride. We learn from him as our perfect example, and we to an entire world that is watching us as men, godly men, set apart in love by God in Christ, who have received this agape love from God the Father through Christ the Son. It's an act of the will of God. We now love this same way. This is not easy for us. Because why? We have to have humility. We have to what? We have to sacrifice. And because we have to be a servant. And the reason this is hard is because it goes contrary to our human nature, our flesh. It doesn't want to do those things because the flesh is all about me, myself, and I. It is self-centered. It is self-gratifying. So in order for us to demonstrate this not only to our wives, but to a world that is watching, we have to be humble servants who sacrifice their lives in loving our wives. Now, this is how we are to love, guys, our wives. And it's not normal. It's not normal. And it goes against your very 
desires. But you and I are accountable to God for this. See, the command for our wife to submit to the husband as of, to, uh, as of, as of the Lord, as of unto the Lord, that was the command that God gave the wife. And the wife is responsible to God the Father for the way in which she submits to her head, the husband. She's accountable for that. And that is the command that God gave for her because she is a demonstration of the bride of Christ who walks in obedience to Christ, who what? Who is the head of the body, who is the groom, so to speak. And she is showing through the demonstration of her sacrifice, of her humility, and of her love for you, she walks in submission to your headship and gives honor to you. She does that because she, what, also does that to God in her relationship to him as what? As the bride of Christ. But she's demonstrating this to a world that needs to see this lived out before them. And it's through marriage that God has chosen to demonstrate this incredible, incredible gift of salvation how we are in union with Christ and how Christ is the head of our of the church and the wife is like the body of Christ, the church. She responds with love, submission, and obedience to Christ. This is how this is supposed to play out. It's not just about this whole, well, I just met this woman and we got hooked up. And No, 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 no. What we're demonstrating through marriage is holy. It is very, very, very holy. And it's at such a deeper level than what our church even teaches today about these things. Um, this is profound. And if you will view your marriage this way, it will totally transform your marriage. Totally. It will completely transform your marriage. Completely. And so here we go. The sacrificial way in which Jesus Christ loved us was he came and died setting aside his own will, he set that aside, walking in obedience to the will of the Father, and he demonstrated, this is demonstration now, by an act of the will, his love for us through sacrifice, through giving himself. We as husbands are to willingly, this isn't begrudgingly, this isn't like, oh, I gotta do that for that woman. No, this is an act of your will. See, love, it is a feeling, but you can't go off feelings, guys, because your love and the feeling of love, it's going to come and go as a feeling through the years of marriage. Now, when you are in engagement and you're still in this honeymoon phase and your brain is running off all these high levels of serotonin, I mean, all you hear is love, 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 but change is coming. Reality is going to sink in here within a short period of time. And what happens is all of a sudden when they were thinking and feeling nothing but these complete dopamine drops of serotonin and they're all disconnected and lovey, 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 all of a sudden that thing wears off and life begins to set in and they set around the house looking at one another and go, dude, I don't feel like I love you right now. Because love's not about a feeling. This love is an act of your will, of your will, man. You choose 
to love your wife in demonstrating that love, you love her sacrificially. See, we don't want to hear that. And our culture will not tell you that. It's all about your gratification. It, you know, all of a sudden you'll find, you'll look at your, your spouse one day, and trust me, guys, she looks at you the same way. I know you think you're Don Juan and that you are every woman's heartthrob, but here's a newsbreaker. You're not. Your wife is never more like Christ than when she loves you as an act of the will, even when she doesn't feel in love with you. And there's going to come times that she's not going to feel in love with you. But love is never more real than when you pass feelings and you demonstrate it through an act of your will. That's when you are really showing real love. See, that takes grit. That takes endurance. That takes sacrifice, humility, and servanthood at heart in order for us to do that. But feelings will come. They will. And feelings will have, you'll have high moments of great romance and, and love, but you will learn through years of marriage to come to a deep level of appreciation of what love really, really is. Here's the deal. Your life will be proof positive in, in, in receiving and giving this kind of love through an act of the will and sacrifice. Listen, there's nothing more beautiful than to know this kind of love. What am I telling you? It's not a hoochie-coochie feeling. It is a demonstration of a covenant that is binding. It will never end for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health totally leaving all others out, being always faithful and true as long as we both shall live. That is true love. That's what love is. And so as you live out the seasons of your life, you are going to grow, listen, in an appreciation for the love that your spouse has for you. Because only through testing, through time, and through proven endurance is real, genuine love known and given. It can only be experienced this way. So, that's why it's difficult for someone who's been married for a year to try to tell others about what love is. Listen, you don't know what love is yet. You, you don't know. Now, you may have experienced the love of God. We can't even comprehend that. But let me tell you something. When you've gone through 30, 40, 50 years of marriage and you have loved your wife as an act of the will or your wife has loved you, unlovable as you are at times, as an act of the will and proven it and it's been demonstrated over season, over season, through season, through difficulty, through great things, through the entire beautiful picture of life, you then will have something to say about what love is because love never fails. Now, unfortunately, guys, many marriages that I have done, there have been many that have not made it past a handful of years. And that's why for me personally, I'm nearly done doing weddings. 
I've done a gazillion weddings, but I'm about done with them because people today do not take this seriously. In fact, it's not about your happiness. Oh, there are great moments of happiness, but there's going to be some suck in marriage. There is. There's going to be some things that are difficult and things that are hard. That's why you make a vow before God that you will keep your vow to your wife as long as you live. Why do we make a covenant vow? Why do we enter into this covenant before God and before others that we bring into this marriage um, ceremony? Why do we do that? Because you are going to have to stand solid through the seasons of marriage. Now, marriage is wonderful. I've been blessed in marriage, but not all seasons in marriage have been easy. Some have been difficult. How about when your spouse suffers with illness? Say, oh, well, is that going to... You stay married long enough, that's going to happen. See, all these couples here on their wedding day is better, richer, and health. That's all they hear. And they're lambasted when they come to a season in marriage and they go, whoa. What about the worse? Poverty? And sickness? Difficulty? Frustration? And when you have kids... I know couples that say, well, we're going to do this. We're going to have a kid because I think it'll make our marriage better. How ignorant are you? It's going to make your marriage harder because now you have less time to offer to one another. Now you're going to learn to sacrifice even more. <laughs> now you're going to be sacrificing more. You weren't sacrificing sleep before this. You weren't having to spread yourself over three or four or five or six different people. You weren't having to work more hours and second jobs and, and having to feed these kids and take care. You weren't having to do all this. You were able to pour all of your attention and focus on one human being. And now you got to spread that out with others that demand that you give them attention, that demand and require your sacrifice, your time, your effort, in your energy. No, 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 no. They are a blessing from the Lord and they are a result of the goodness of God in marriage. Yes, but it doesn't make marriage easier. It will make many of things more challenging in your relationship. Now you're exhausted. <laughs> now your wife is, she's, she's tired, man. She is beat down. She's giving, giving, giving. She's giving up all hours of the night, especially if your wife is going to breastfeed. Um, she's going to be doing that. There's all these diapers to change. These kids require you to give, 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 give more, but they're a beautiful gift. Why? Because you're learning how to become less selfish as you live your life and give your life. See, you thought it was all about your happiness. I tell you this, your marriage will, will be something that gives you joy but it's not about your happiness. It's about demonstrating this beautiful picture of salvation to a world that you enjoy, that you're part of, but it's also about you, you loving, you giving, and you pouring your life into your spouse. And when you do that, you are going to experience what so few people in our society, in this Western world, experience today. Because they give up on marriage. They have no concept of love. They think it's just all about feeling. They think it's all about self-gratification. And they long to be loved. They desire to know this kind of love. But they 
aren't willing to give it. And if they're not willing to give it, they're never going to receive it. And they go through their entire life through multiple partners. They're married in and out of marriage. They're shacking up. They're doing the thing. They never, ever, ever know what true love is because true love can only be demonstrated over time through difficulty and through, 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 through proven seasons because true love never fails and endures all things. See, if you want to experience and know this because you desire it, you've already experienced agape love from God, and we can't even understand that. So now you're going to experience this, and you're going to now have a chance to reciprocate this kind of love to another human being. And you're going to love your spouse in this way. You're going to sacrifice your life for her. You're going to give it up for her. That's not the Archie Bunker style of marriage. But Archie Bunker, he wasn't happy. And neither was Edith. In fact, most Archie Bunker-Edith relationships will never make it the duration of marriage through the years. It's not going to happen. And you can be married and not know what marriage is. That happens a lot too. Because if you're selfish and you're self-centered and it's all about you, you're never going to know this kind of love. You're never going to know it because you've got to give it to receive it. You know what I'm saying? You're going you're gonna to receive it and give it. So, here we go. Moving right along. Not only are we going to sacrifice for our wives like Christ has done for us, but now here comes another part of this incredible mystery. There is a sanctification part of what's going on here. To sanctify can mean set apart and it can be purify, right? So there's a purification aspect of the way in which we love our wives. There's a setting apart aspect of the way in which we love our wives that she has set apart for us. Our love is to be demonstrated to her, and the way in which we love our wife, the way Christ loves us, there is a purification aspect of that kind of love. Aren't you glad that the love of Christ covers all sin? See, there's a purification aspect of that. Let me say this. You are not worse off after having been loved by God through Christ. In fact, you're way better off. And you have been set apart unto God. And then God is also what? He is sanctifying us. What is he doing? He's bringing about purification in our life. That's the way our love should be not only received, but also um, that should be the result of our love to our wives. Um, we need to think about the fact that she is set apart unto us. That, that, that she's a treasure for us. That she's not only that, she becomes an object of our affection. An object of one in whom we will love in such a way that our love is a washing, purifying kind of thing. In other words, your wife has gone through some things in life. And some of you listening to this, your wife has gone through abuse. Maybe physical abuse. Maybe sexual abuse. Maybe you did. There's, there's so much stuff that people have in the background and garbage of their life. We all have this. But now we have an opportunity to demonstrate what God's love does to us. We get to reciprocate that now. As the leader and the head, we get to now love our wives this way. That our wives are what? They're better and better and better. They find healing in our love. They find um, a love that helps them to, to become a better human being. They, they're, they're able to move on from the past of their wounds and because of the way they're loved by us as men, the same way Christ has done for us. 
And so we get to love them this way. And I'm telling you, one of the purposes of marriage, I believe, also is our sanctification. That the way in which my wife loves me and the way that I love my wife through the years, there is a sanctification aspect of that. That God is using our spouse to bring about our sanctification. That the way in which we're loving our spouse should be making our spouse more like Christ. And we demonstrate that by the way in which we love our wives. See, he did this for the church, for you and me. He washed us with the water of the word. There's a purification that happens by the word of God. You know, the word of God is truth and truth is, is good for us in our life. And um, we need to think about the words in which we speak to our wives and how we speak to our wives in a loving way, in a kind way, in a patient way. Um, we need to think about those words because the word of God washes us and it cleanses us and our love and the way we speak and live that love out. We want it to be a kind of cleansing love for our wives. And here's the reason. So that God could present the church, that, that, that God could present the church in splendor without wrinkle, spot, or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. See, we want a wife that is loved that way by the way in which we demonstrate that. That she knows she's valuable, that she is cherished, that she is the apple of our eye. Because trust me, as your wife ages, and you're going to experience the same thing, man, your wife can speak life into you, or she, can, she has the power in her words to completely dismantle you. In fact, God is so even this relationship out that our wives don't even know the power of their words. The words of a woman have power to build or, or power to destroy. And they don't even know the power of their words. And we men, in like manner, don't even know the power of our words. And so we, we want to build our wife up. You know, she needs to know these things, that she's beautiful, that she's loved, that she's cherished. She needs to be told those things. Not, not just, oh, well, she knows I love her. Are you kidding me? She knows you love her? No, that's not true. You demonstrate it and you tell her. And you tell her 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 and you tell her. And, tell her. and Jesus Christ demonstrated his love for us in his word over and over. What does it just shout out to you? God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Aren't you thankful for God's love? Our wives need to know that we love them. When's the last time you told your wife you loved her? And not just told her, but showed her by a demonstration of your sacrificial love. When's the last time you've done that? We, the church, as the bride of Christ, are to reflect more and more by the how we live, how we believe, how we think, how we act. We are to reflect Christ, who reflects the exact image of his head, God the Father. See, here's something else that I've learned and I've seen, and it's been demonstrated through years and years and years of all the counseling that I've done. Listen to me. Very rarely will the woman ever lead her husband into sin. You say, hold on, John, you don't know my wife. Hold on. Our wives, by very nature, are designed to respond. 
we are designed to lead. I think about this a lot, and I've, I've, I've watched and seen this in marriage relationships where the woman followed her husband, and where her husband led her was sin. Because these wicked, ungodly men who simply throw Jesus' terms around Instead of loving and leading her wife, his wife to be more like Christ, to be closer to Christ, to know Christ, to live for Christ, because of his sensuality, his desire for lust and pleasure, he drags his wife along. Starts out pretty simple at first. And he leads her into sexual impurity for the degradation of her body and his body. See, he gets to where he's no longer satisfied with his sexual relationship with his wife. He wants to spice things up a little bit and make it more sensual. And he's already hooked on porn and watching all these other activities. And he's showing his wife. He says, oh, can't we just do this? Can't we add this? Well, when we do this, before long, he brings in another person. And we got all kinds of crazy garbage going on that should never be a demonstration of a godly man. Period. And he leads his wife in sin. That can be demonstrated lots of ways. Guys, you're the leader. As you lead, where are you taking your wife? Because she, more than likely, will follow you. She'll follow you. It's not your wife's job to make sure that your children are raised to know God. She has a major part in that. You are the leader. You are supposed to do that. You are the one that's going to direct the family to go where it goes. And if you look around and you've got garbage everywhere and you've got problems and you've got a wrecked marriage and you've got family that's just unwrapped and unwound, here's the thing, guys. Quit pointing your finger at your wife. Get in the front of the mirror and look at that man that's in the mirror. And what you will see is the one who is responsible for where your family currently is because your family is following you. It's following you. Would Christ, guys, would he ever lead you into sin? Oh, that's blasphemy, man. No. Christ always leads us to purity and holiness and Christ-likeness. He's always working toward that end. And we husbands, that's how we are to be loving and leading our wives to that end. So the reality is, guys, this is why I say this. When you have a man problem in society... You have a sin problem. And when you have a man problem with a sin problem, you have a family problem. 
And when you have a family problem, you have marriage problems. When you have marriage problems, you have children issues and problems. When you have family and children and marriage and men and all these problems, you're going to have community issues. And when you have community issues, guess what? You're going to have sin and problems in the community. Well, it's going to affect your city, and your city is going to affect and infect your county, and your county is going to infect your state, and your state's going to infect your nation. And then you look around, and you have this degradation of a society that is so anti-God and so depraved and so immoral. And you know what you can take it all back to? You can take it back to the man who has a sin problem, and it all starts with the man every single time. That's where it goes. As the man goes, so goes the nation. That's the reality. And so we have a huge responsibility before God, guys. You don't even have enough time to look at your wife and say, hey, did you read the first part of Ephesians chapter 5 starting in verse 22? You don't even have a time to point that out in her life. All you have time to do is to do your job, and it's going to be a full-time job for you to lead your, your wife, love your wife, and, to, and to, to direct your wife in this way in which God commands you as your responsibility before him. You only have time for this. This is your job, man. This is what you're supposed to do. The other aspect of this is that husbands would reflect Christ our head by the way in which we live, the way in which we believe, the way in which we lead, the way in which we think, the way in which we talk, and the way in which we act. Why? So that our wives, as they follow and they honor us in submission, would be following our example and living toward the end of becoming more and more in love with Jesus and more and more and more like Christ. See, we are to spiritually lead our wives. You say, man, I just can't. That is nothing but a stinking stupid excuse, and it's worthless. It's an excuse, man. You say, oh, she knows the Bible better than I do. I don't care. Get in the Word of God, study it, and learn it, and teach her. Your wife wants you to lead, man. There shouldn't be a female pastor anywhere in, this, in, this, in, in, in a church anywhere. Where are the men? What man, true man of God, could set under the headship of a spiritual shepherd as a woman? Not one I know. If they know their Bible and they know the Word of God and even the design and structure of the family, it's no different for the church, man. God called men. He must be what? If you're going to seek to be an elder, it's a great thing, but you must be the husband of one woman. That means you've got to be a man. We got it so twisted, so jacked up. We got all these men sitting under females, being their spiritual shepherd and leader, and you wonder why we have such a flipping problem in this country in our churches. It's ridiculous, man. Say, oh, let me tell you about the prophetess. I don't care about that. That doesn't negate God's design nor his plan. Well, what about so-and-so in the New Testament that served inside the temple? Listen, we can talk about this all you want to in great detail, guys, and I'm being a little sarcastic. But listen, this is not even a question of yes or no. This is clear in Scripture. shouldn't even be a discussion. But it is because what? We don't like truth. 
And we're not going to walk in truth. We're going to let worldly things perceive things like they are. And reality is, guys, most of all, all of our denominations, it goes back to a man, one man. It goes back to a man. Quit following men. Follow Christ. Now, number three, sanctify her. And then we're to supply all of her needs. We're to supply all of her needs. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but he what? He nourishes it. He cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So because we are members of his body, right? We are members of his body. Now, here's the thing. We provide for our own bodies. We need to provide for our wives and for our families. We are the primary provider, not only provide primary protector, in other words, when, when, when it all goes down, we need to be those who can protect our wives. That's why I'm going to encourage you to learn to do some things to protect your wives. Um, we want to be those men. We'll protect our family, protect our wives. We're not going to let anything happen. We're going to fight or we're going to do what needs to be done to protect our wives and family. So not only do we meet their needs financially and physically, but we also want to be the protectors of them and the providers of them, just like Christ is. He is our provision. He's not only our provision, but he's also the one who protects us. God protects us. He sets angels about us. He keeps us safe. We want to do the same thing for our families and for our wives. Here's the thing. In Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now all of her needs encompasses many things and that's what we need to be focused on that's what we need to be doing and so whatever it takes for our wives to be fulfilled in their lives in other words we want to help our wives do what God created and designed for them to do and we want to to make whatever necessary sacrifices in order for that to happen we should do all we can do to provide all she needs to accomplish this. And there's many ways in which we do this. Now, it's needs. It's not necessarily wants. We love it when we can meet our wife's wants. But if you have a wife that is so worldly that all she cares about is trinkets and toys and, and garbage like that, you shouldn't have married a woman like that in the first place because that's superficial garbage. Um, you need to look for a woman that, is in love with Christ and who knows the value, the value of real life things, the things that really matter. Nothing wrong with liking nice things. Here's the deal. Don't exchange nice things for your kids or your family. Don't do it. That's the American dream, man, but don't do it. God designed your wife for certain things. Help her to fulfill that desire and that need in her life, whatever it takes, man. Sometimes you got to work two or three jobs. You got to do whatever it takes. Sometimes you need to sell your toys. Sometimes, yep, you do whatever it takes, man, because that's what we are. We are those who take whatever role and responsibility that we've been given by God seriously. Now, when you do these things, listen to me, guys. I'm not going to guarantee you that your wife is going to fulfill her role on the other end, but I will say this. If you demonstrate this kind of love, your wife she will desire to follow and submit to you because you will be a great example of this beautiful relationship of Christ and his church and your wife will respond to your love. 
to your sacrifice, to your humility, to your obedience to Christ, she will see and demonstrate and understand and know those things. And she will what? She will feel secure under your love, under your leadership, under your protection, under your provision. She will feel secure there. Just like you feel secure in Christ Jesus, she likewise will feel that security. And most wives desire to have that type of security. And you can provide that for her by the way in which you fulfill this incredible mystery of marriage as the husband who loves his wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, guys, these are this is the word of God. This is God who has designed marriage and who wrote the book on how to to do this. And so I want to encourage you to just apply these basic truths to your marriage. You say, John, I'm struggling in my marriage relationship. Then do the things you know to do. Do what you know to do and let God begin to work and change those elements within your relationship. Stop worrying about what your wife's doing and just walk in obedience to what Christ has commanded for you to do, to be under his headship in alignment with God. You do what God's given you to do and watch how that begins to change the heart of your wife and the desire of your wife. Guys, God bless you. Um, I'm passionate about marriage because it is the greatest of all human relationships. And not only that, because of the holy aspect of the portrayal of what marriage is designed by God to, to share with the world. And that is a physical reality of a spiritual truth of what we as men of God know that we are in Christ. And we demonstrate this in the way in which we love our, our, our wives and our family. Guys, I hope this has been uh, good for you. Um, I'd love to hear from more of you. Um, thank you guys for those of you that have. Uh, one more quick thing. If you're looking for a great study for a group of men or for yourself, the Base Camp to Summit six-week study is complete and finished, and it's on our website. You can order it there. It's called grittycompany.com, and you can get your stuff there. Um, guys, uh, if I can help you guys in any way, please uh, send me a message. There's a link below that you can contact me. God bless you guys as you live uh, for God's glory um, in these in these days and uh, stay gritty guys keep after it and you'll be blessed for doing so we'll see you next time on the gritty men podcast